Hey everybody, this is Ari in the air. Welcome back to my show. I am an action sports athlete and I've traveled all around the world doing all kinds of really fun extreme sports. But man, I am just looking out at the current culture that we're seeing right now and I'm seeing huge needs for more meaning, more nuanced conversations, a more clearer and more coherent way of thinking and distilling information. And so I'm doing everything that I can to put out more nuanced conversations, ask better questions, and help people distill a greater sense of meaning and purpose in their lives. If this is a mission that resonates with you, if you want to support me on this mission, please consider donating to support this show. This show is 100% listener-funded. You can donate at paypal.me slash air, one time or recurring. I really appreciate all the people who have been donating lately. Without further ado, I will tell you that today we have a rad episode with my friend Isaac Levinson. Isaac is a world-class whitewater kayaker. He has been all over the planet through some of the most remote, some of the most untouched, most gorgeous river, canyons, and gorges on the globe. And from those experiences, he has distilled quite an interesting perspective He's a paraglide pilot now, and we fly together. That's how we know each other. And so I'm really stoked to bring Isaac and his experiences onto this show. So without wasting too much more time, here's a little bit of music and right into our talk. This is Isaac Levinson. probably devolve into some kind of news like talking about coronavirus or whatever you think about that but yeah are you ready to start and just to be yeah yeah um yeah and i think that i mean i have my opinions and whatnot about coronavirus and and everything but you know it is just my opinion and uh I think like probably the thing that i'm like most interested about right now with coronavirus is uh like how we're going about our daily lives. And I think for you and me, something that's interesting is like, um, like how to go about doing our like risky activities that we like, like kayaking or paragliding and uh, Absolutely. what that means, what that means for. I was ruminating, yeah, I, was, like, I was ruminating on that today. I was noodling on that today. So let's get into this. Yeah, I think it's a big, uh, a big, a big topic. 
We're definitely going to get to all of that. So I'm just finishing my muffin here. Just was on a mountain bike. Like I rode my bike with my girlfriend down to Drake Park and we laid in the grass and the sunshine for a while. And then I was like, holy shit, it's so late already. Yeah. I know with the so day getting longer, you. it's easier. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, there's uh, <laughs> now more than ever, I think we have a bunch of free time and yeah. So no, no stress nice. on the time restraints and I like it. Okay. Yeah. So Isaac, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, man, I'm stoked to be on it. I was just uh, listening to a couple of your previous ones and super cool. I'm stoked to stoked to chat. Yeah. Thanks. So um, did you go to some kind of kayaking high school, some whitewater specific high school? I did not. I, um, I have a bunch of friends that did and, uh, yeah, but, but those I, were all I got into buddies. kayaking. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of friends in the, in the community or people that I spend time with, uh, did go that route. And yeah, those, those schools are rad. And I've, I've taught for a couple of the, uh, for the schools as like coaching and, and doing stuff. And it's a really, really cool program that like these kids get it go travel around the world and kayak and also get a actually really high level education because the, uh, the teachers in my mind are some of the most like well-traveled educated people that, that I know. So it's a really cool thing that they got going. It's called world-class kayak Academy. Wow. And that is super cool. And something that I've been noodling on today is just how amazing it is that in the face of all of this, uh, chaos <laughs> social chaos not chaos but as our lives are changing so quickly i'm just amazed at how fast and coordinated we can put a huge change into our daily lives right like how quickly people all over the country and all over the world have said okay our children are not going to school right now like as far as education goes, yeah. that is just a, such a drastic change in such a short amount of time. And it makes me think of how plastic our institutions really are. And so that kind of kayaking academy where you would have the highest level whitewater instruction as well as really well-traveled teachers to learn from sounds like a model of education that hopefully comes like hopefully increases as we come back to some form of education. Cause I think it's obvious right now that obviously kids aren't going to school. So something else is going to take its place and yeah, online totally. schooling is so powerful, but yeah, I, I wanted to use that as a segue because I really want to talk about kayaking and I know that you and I, as we've uh, grown in our friendship, we've had that nested inside of paragliding, which either of us will talk about until we're totally blue in the face. And so um, and kayaking is something that's so interesting to me, you know, that I used to guide rafts for four summers and going down the river is such a special experience. So I'd love to hear from you just kind it of is, yeah. your like history in kayaking yeah. and what it is that you like about that sport and environment yeah. as well as like, what are those peak experiences? What do those look like for you in a kayak? So let's start with, yeah, that's a good, good yeah. question. And, uh, yeah, I always say that kayaking is my, um, was like the 
original thing that kind of gave me a passion and gave me direction in, in life. I grew up in just outside of Atlanta, Georgia in the suburbs. And luckily the property that I grew up on backed up to the Chattahoochee, Chattahoochee River National Park or State Park. And um, I was always drawn to going back there and exploring and um, going back to the river and um, was just intrigued by kayaking. And um, yeah, so spent a bunch of time um, around the water and yeah, like growing up in Atlanta, you just don't have that much like option for whitewater. Like now I live in the Northwest and it's super easy and convenient to get to these rivers and get out and get into nature and everybody does it. But growing up in Atlanta outside of a city, it's not normal to go kayaking. So um, I kind of brought it upon myself to, yeah, to figure out how I could paddle more. And um, I did a summer camp that was like my original um, introduction to kayaking and then pursued it and found the sport of slalom which is the olympic discipline Mm. of kayaking and there was a training group that met after school that i was able to convince my parents to give me rides to and like twice a week we'd go meet up and go paddle so there was like some coaching and it was just like a way to have like a structure and a reason for me to go kayaking and um through that i just progressed i eventually made the national team in slalom and got to travel and compete at that level and go to yeah just start seeing the world and opening my mind to you know what's out there and um you know there's so many different aspects of every kind of sport and especially kayaking you have slalom and freestyle and river running and yeah just getting to uh explore all those different avenues was uh yeah this is very eye-opening for me so I um yeah I um was on the national team in kayaking in fall and kayaking and really really put all of my focus and energy in into that I was um training and um going leading up to the 2012 Olympics was had a possibility to make it to the Olympics. And I ended up falling just short of that goal. But through the process, I learned so much about like what it takes to to train and put all of my energy into one thing. And, you know, when you're trying to do something at that level there, it's, you know, you really learn a lot about yourself and, and what it takes. And um, so I owe a lot to that part of my progression in, in kayaking. And then um, I was always drawn to, yeah, always drawn to nature. And, you know, even the structure of slalom was really, really intense. It's like, you know, you're on a really like, um, like a strict training plan, like discipline, like you said. So, you know, you're up up in the morning and you're, you know, eating a certain, certain meal and then going and doing uh, on the water workout that's coached and structured and then going to the gym and then going back to um, another workout on the, on the, on the river. And, you know, there's a lot of people that do that, do that discipline that seem to lose the passion um, along the way. And then there's a lot yeah. of people that don't get me wrong, that like absolutely love like the sport of slalom and like, you know, eat it up. So um, yeah, through that process, um, I learned a lot 
long story short, I was always attracted to nature and like the exploratory aspect and like a little bit more of the, um, yeah, wanting to experience more stuff. So, um, as soon as I didn't make the Olympics and kind of like gave it, gave it my full energy, I I decided I I really want to like, you know, see what, see what's out there. And, um, started to kind of cross over into extreme racing, which takes a lot of the aspects of slalom, like, um, like the training and discipline. And then you take it onto like steep, um, steep rivers. And it's like time trial, just you against the river as fast as you can go top to bottom. But so, a, a really um, steep, that, like in the Olympics, it's not that steep, right? There's like buoys. And yeah. So in the, overhead. yeah, Totally. Yeah. So yeah, in the Olympics and slalom, you're trying to navigate you, an artificial course with gates strung across it. And um, yeah, and going through, going through those maneuvers as technically and quickly as possible, where like um, extreme racing, we find like the steepest, gnarliest section of river and, and race that. So it's really, uh, really a different sport. We're also in plastic kayaks. And in slalom, you're in composite, um, composite kayak. So it's like very same, same, but different. Yeah. And, um, I, I was, I like, as soon as I started switching to extreme racing, I fell in love with it and, um, was pretty successful in that. And, um, yeah, I kind of was able to get some sponsorship and get funding to go travel and do expeditions and and stuff like that. So um, things kind of progressed from there and yeah, um, kind of where I'm at now and long story short, I mean, kind of skipping, skipping some things in between, but (laughs) more or less. um, Yeah. That was like the segue to kind of, you know, getting out of Atlanta and um, being able to see the world and, you know, opening my eyes to what's out there. For sure. And what was it, what is it that you see as like your peak experiences? When you talk about it, it's like the first thing that you found your passion for and your purpose for, and that you really went super deep into and found out how to become good. Like, how do you improve? What does training look like? What does like this discipline look like in this experience? And the progression of all of that is really uh, what I am addicted to in sports, I think, as I've yeah man i was but the i couldn't um, say it better myself the the progression and and um yeah just like the places that you can go with kayaking for one are super unique the people that do it i really so the places that you can go with kayaking i think it's a lot like um flying cross country Mm -hmm. paragliding um you know it's you can just go places that others others don't get to see every day and to me there's or nothing ever. more special about ever yeah and to me there's nothing more special about being in a remote canyon with close friends and those bonding experiences that you have in you know places where it, you rely on your friends and your skills and your knowledge to navigate through it and then you get to see this part of the world that so few people get to see from a perspective that so few people get to see. And that's really what draws me to kayaking at this, at this point in my life. It's, I, I think those experiences are just un, unreal, you know? 
Yeah, totally. And I totally hear you. Some of the river canyons that you guys have kayaked through are just the most, some of the most remote places on the planet kayakers go to. And and, and beautiful because of that, you know, yeah. it's like untouched. Yeah. Those remote places, untouched places. That's so few and far between now with like this day and age with social mm-hmm. media and geotagging. It's so hard to get to places where you're really alone. And, um, that's what, uh, that's what I'm, yeah, that's what drives me to keep, keep, to keep my level, um, and my skill set strong enough to go explore those places and, and get to those places. It's a huge motivation to, to kayak every day on my local rivers and, and stay in shape. Yeah, well, I think that most of us saw your and Evan's video of kayaking the little white salmon at five and 5.6 feet. And I think the skills are still there, buddy. The skills are still there. Um, that was definitely a peak experience for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so y- yesterday I interviewed this guy on the podcast, Nick Hawks. He's a paraglide pilot, and he writes about this this thing called that he talks about as earth energy, these cycles of nature, whether it's a wave in the ocean or a thermal in the desert or a rushing river that is at like flood stage, like we saw there at the little white, there's this like really terrifying element to all of these different sports where you get yourself into these positions where you're literally out of control of like, there's no breaks. There's no breaks for this is doing. You can't just say, I want to, yeah, you're right just in it. like you're totally in it. Yeah. And, and there's no, yeah. What he yeah. said what, that I thought was really interesting, a perspective that he said was that there's not a single person or group of people of all 7 billion who could help you right now, you know? Yeah, and exactly. So yeah. Talk to me about like and, just the remoteness stacked on top of just the nature of moving water and especially steep, deep moving water. Yeah, uh, good. I like, I like where we're going. So yeah, that, that feeling I think is very similar and I'll draw a lot of similarities to, to paragliding because we have that in common and and you have some whitewater background as well. So you'll get it. But yeah, that, that feeling of when you launch a paraglider off the side of a hill on a thermic day and you're going up and you're in it, you know, you made that conscious decision to rely on your skills. It's very similar to kayaking and, and how we approach it or how I approach it is to, um, yeah, that feeling of commitment and full trust in what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the skills that you have is um, just such an, such an incredible feeling. And um, yeah, I think, yeah, you're, I don't want to say giving yourself to the river, but you're putting yourself in a in a state where you can only react and trust your, trust your intuition, trust your skills. And um, I think there's nothing more powerful um, as like a human to do something like that. Cause you're dealing with a power that is way stronger than you are. The, the water is um, completely relentless and I, you know, you don't get to, the level that I am in kayaking without understanding that you have to be incredibly humble in um, the, in your approach and like what it is that you're actually doing and what actually can happen. You know, I have like no, um, 
I don't take it lightly. You know, it's like that run that you talked about that Evan and Ben Marr and I did on the Little White, that, that comes after thousands of, of runs on the river and just thousands of hours of understanding water and kayaking. And, um, you know, you don't go through that without, you know, seeing the, the bad sides of it as well, which I don't like to focus on, but I acknowledge and uh, am fully like, you know, I have a, I have a girlfriend and a family and I very like upfront about the, the dangers and the possibilities of, uh, of what can and will happen out there. But also I only do things that I'm very confident that I have the skills to do. Like I, 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 you know, I, really, really just want to do things at well at a high level, you know? Yeah, totally. And Nick was drawing this interesting parallel where there's almost like this self-measurement when we're in these situations, right? Like you're alluding to this flow state and we let ourselves into this flow state physically where we're coupling our skills and our experience with this like cycle of nature that we cannot under any circumstance control. And we're like, these two things, right? And when you say that you take it very seriously and you don't do anything you're not confident with, you're basically looking at a flooded river and, an, and analyzing your own internal states and experience to then say, am I hypothetically measured up to the objective reality that I'm standing next to? And then you put your skirt on and get in your boat and you test that yeah. decision. Yeah, totally. And that day that we, and you know, and this is just like one example, um, but that, that run that we did on the Little White this winter, I later went and hiked into the river with my girlfriend and a, and a really close friend and looking at one of the, it's probably the crux of the run. And from a onshore perspective, it almost didn't look possible, but just being in the state that I was in to run the river, I was only looking at the good line, you know, where I had to go and knowing that it goes. And that's a really good example of like, you know, just trusting, you know, only looking at the positive and trusting your intuition and, yeah. and the decision, you know, it, it, it's a really cool thing to be able to, to put yourself there. And I'm sure that Slacklining or highlining, it's a similar thing. Like you shouldn't be able to be in that void and be able to balance, but totally. you just have this skill and that mindset to to do what your body knows how to do. And that to me is like so, so raw and so cool. Yeah, that's like, I hear you're alluding to this, like m this momentum that you're, that you like get into in this flow state where like from looking down at the river, you're like, that's impossible. Don't do it. But then someone kayaks up and it's just like, and I'm just going through it and bam, 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 bam. And you just like, you make it through and there's other things. Like, yeah. Even paragliding, you know, it's like, it's this invisible thing that you don't think works. And then you launch and somehow you're like land a hundred miles from where you started. Yeah, totally. Like how, yeah. I mean, I, those flights that we do from pine, um, you know, those desert conditions, it's like, you'll be like a couple hundred feet off the ground. And the next thing you know, you're in a cloud. Like mm -hmm. that's not, that shouldn't be possible, but we spend so much time thermaling our paragliders and knowing it works and keeping the wing open and managing and putting yourself in the, I can do this state with my skills. And uh, 
yeah, I, I think that we we vibe and get off on that same feeling. You know, anybody that does these kind of activities has to. Yeah, totally. And I feel like it is um, this experience where you are at the edge at the edges of your capability, right? Like where you're like kind of worried about that you can do it. Obviously like from the side of the river, the line looks really, really incredibly hard. Marginal. Almost, yeah. almost impossible. And, but succeeding there and finding that you stack up to objective reality is totally flow state bliss. I agree. And for, and for me, yeah, touching on that, for me, I really work like incrementally up mm -hmm. to those levels as mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people do or you do um, as well. To do things at a high level, for me, I really have to like take those necessary steps. So it's yeah. not like the day before, you know, or I'm not going from like doing a sweater on my paraglider to flying, you know, hundreds of kilometers, you know, hundreds of miles across the Oregon desert and the same with kayaking, you know, there's a lot of steps in between that obviously of, you know, working up to that. And um, yeah, so ba baby steps to get to those places where you can do the, you know, get to that highest level and, and do it well. Yeah, totally. That's like just respecting the progression and understanding your limits and yeah. currency and all of those. And that's the fun part. And the, the progression is the fun part. Like you it said, really like is. that's the, yeah. Yeah. So, and so what we end up doing by respecting the progression is we end up in positions where we have capacities that are just absolutely incredible, like to move down a flooded river on a kayak and like let yourself be a part of it is just unbelievable. And when you dial back the intensity, you can actually maintain a pretty lot high level of safety while you're kayaking down a river, which my next segue would be that, you know, as we are talking about just this global pandemic and the potential for hospitals to be overrun, we then are on some level, we have an opportunity to externalize the risk that we are taking as individuals onto society by becoming a burden on the healthcare system as we, uh, yeah, not be a burden. I've been thinking about, been thinking about that a lot as of lately. And I think it's a, a big topic of discussion through my peer group of like how we move forward with these kind of high risk activities as we're, you know, um, like with the social distancing movement, which I think is the only answer right now. And, um, you know, so for instance, today I went kayaking on that same river, the little white, but by myself with my girlfriend running shuttle is that the right way to go about things? If something was to happen and I would need a rescue and use search and rescue, those are our, our valued resources. If I was to injure my back and have to go to the hospital, um, it's not really the most responsible thing to be doing right now. So mm -hmm. I think that something that is, that I'm just realizing today is that maybe in the future we need to dial back or like in the immediate future, maybe hopefully not forever, but dial back how we're doing things, which is like really weird for me because um, 
it's just an eye-opening it's an interesting thing to think yeah. about right now yeah what like, i think are it we actually me, i think what it does for me is it I've been saying, I've been making this analogy that the veil is becoming very thin so that we can see our systems with more clarity. And I think that when I talk about, or when I think about doing something extreme, say jumping off a big cliff, there was one time I jumped a 75 foot cliff on my skis and all of the stars aligned that day that I had the right crew with enough snowmobiles with the people that I really trusted that if something went wrong, that we could get out of there and that we could get to the hospital. I had health insurance. I had all these different. Exactly. Yeah. My system yep. as they go all the way through. The time, the time and place was right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so. And that's what I, that's kind of what I've been going back to. And like with questions I've been getting at, getting and responding is it maybe it's not the time you know maybe it's not our time to send right now you yeah, know like I hear if, that if the day it, yeah i hear that and so the, it, the the question then for me becomes okay so we're on a spectrum somewhere of risk assessment having some kind of social implications and our risk decisions that we're taking are now being externalized onto our greater society so then the question becomes if we can drive a car, because that's obviously taking risk, or if we can, you know, these meaningful Exactly, yeah, go for a risk. run, you're still taking a risk. Exactly, so yeah. on one side of the spectrum, there's like, how far do we go to limit the risk that we're taking? And on the other end of the spectrum, like what is sending and on any given day, like is it, you know, for most people, like most kayakers who even become very proficient won't run a river the level of the little white salmon and so for you you're at another level where you might you know like you can are you can make the case that you can run that river yeah these at these levels like yeah 99 percent of the time i'm gonna be okay but we all make mistakes mm -hmm. you know and like it's a high risk activity so yeah. and it so i'm having a really hard time drawing that line of where where is the line right now you know like I don't want to stop living my life and, and by no means am, am I, but maybe put some activities on hold. Like we're, you know, we have a good day of paragliding popping up tomorrow, like good lift for this time of year and XC potential. And like, that's the thing that I like live for right now that I, you know, like we, these days are rare and tomorrow is good. And is it really responsible to go and try to fly my paraglider in thermals you know cross country with you know which means that you know i'm relying on my girlfriend for retrieve because we can't just set our own shuttle because we're social distancing so we're not gonna you know share car rides mm -hmm. and um which is not fuel efficient either which i also have like a dilemma about and yeah, it's just a crazy time to, you know, tread through uh, complex, what, what's happening. Right? And I'm curious what your, I'm curious what your opinion is on, on this. Well, I think that you're, what you're outlining is there are myriad factors that are so complex. And this is something that we've been touching on a lot in the podcast is what is good sense making? What metrics should we be using to analyze our own behavior, our best practice moving forward in our lives? And where is the line? Like, you know, do you drive yeah. a car? Do you go outside? Yeah. Do you go for a run? Do you, 
walk up and down your scissors in your uh, up up and down your stairs in your house with scissors in your hand. You know, like how far do we pad the yeah. corners of our lives to do this? And I think that yeah, there's no clear. And I answer, do think obviously. you know, and yeah, and usually I would say yeah, there isn't a clear answer, but I actually do think that there needs to be. I I want to make a decision you know, with a good day tomorrow, it, it's paragliding, you know, all of these activities are slightly selfish activities, you know, when we do them normally. And, but I think at a time like this, it's a little bit, you really have to think about the implications of our actions if the healthcare system and tomorrow it's not as big of an issue because I don't see, yeah. I mean, who, it's actually not fair to say that because, you know, who knows and yeah but i i want to i want to um kind of get to the bottom of this and um you know be able to set an example of how to move forward at this time with um the activities that drive us that we get a lot of you know gratification out of and yeah it's, it's just um quite quite interesting to think about it is it's a it's a thought experiment and it's a wonderful one and it implies not just what we do with our action sports but it implies literally cigarette smoking alcohol diet right like what are the things that we do yeah. as individuals that are bad for us that make might make us a burden on society at large which is like yeah. how fast do we drive and then it's like public safety and then but it's like, you know, that is a rabbit hole. That is such a rabbit hole and there's no clear answer. But I can tell you that the sports that we participate in are hinged and their stranger tractor pattern that draws us all in is the freedom. It is the freedom there. And so as we look for our own best practice in how we need to take risk and what we need to do to modify our behavior here, as best practice for ourselves, our families, our communities, our state, nation, global, species, pandemic decision, level decision making. I think that the most beautiful part of this whole situation is that we are seeing so clearly that your kayaking risk is literally on some level all of our risk. And it's not, it's not necessarily... Yeah just the case right now but it's heightened right now but that is the reality as we take risks at all we as one person takes a yeah. risk we all take a risk with them and vice versa so yeah um it is and there's sometimes where that's like more reasonable like you like you were saying with um sending a huge cliff on skis when you have snowmobiles you have health insurance the hospital is going to be able to care for you. God forbid you need that. You know, it's, they're ready. That's it's more of a, it's a more of a, it's a more of a reasonable risk to, to take. But during this time, it makes me really question like, is, is it a reasonable thing to like knowingly, you know, go and do these riskier activities and, yeah, well, um, yeah. I think that right this second, as we record here on Wednesday, March 18th, I don't necessarily think that if I were to break my leg right now and go to the Bend Hospital that I would be turned away because of 
overrun health yeah. right like that's, that's not the case yeah. right yeah. second so as yeah but it, it's something down the road as the situation develops potentially right, we have on every day an ability to decide the level of risk as it accords to our safety net that we see underneath us both systemic institutional and our own mental safety nets right and like I said, I don't think there's a clear answer. I think it is spectral and I think it changes yeah. every second. And then, yeah. but I also and I think it will become, become more clear. I think it will become more clear in the next weeks, months. Yeah. I mean, you I know, think leading up to it and it's worth, it's worth thinking about, but I think you're completely right. Like, yeah, tomorrow might not be as big a, these, this decision might be, you know, a little bit, easier to make than in a couple weeks. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that we all just have to upgrade our own discernment. Like we all have to pay really close attention to the different factors and look at the systems in our lives. That's the beautiful silver lining of this whole thing is like, Hey, let's take a look at our own impacts on the earth, our own impacts in society. My yeah. role. And also I, I just want to tack one thing on to the conversation we're having of what risk we're taking societally. I think there's also, even in the situation of medical system overwhelm, that if you were to break your leg, you might just be kind of screwing yourself because you might not get proper treatment. Because Yeah, you're going to go to the bottom of the totem pole. It's not all the the other thing, but it is definitely a big part of, if you want good health care, you might not have that safety net under you right now and you're kind of free soloing out there. So, So yeah. Certainly yeah. 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 It's really interesting. It's really interesting times. And I've been super fired up lately to record these podcasts and kind of speak my mind and explore yeah. things with yeah. my friends because I, I really, really enjoyed my, my girlfriend, Claudia and I listened to your podcast this morning or the Facebook live that you did. And, um, it was one of the better, um, articulations of what's going on and relating to, I think our tribe and just, yeah, really important knowledge and like perspective. Your perspective is really good and really clearly, um, yeah, broadcasted. Yeah, and so yeah, like I have so many. Yeah, definitely, it was really cool. Yeah, I and really um, I have a lot of friends that are kind of like in that um, state of like denial. I that you know it's not that important what what, it's not a big deal to go run a kayak shuttle with five people in your car that are all you know someone just came back from chile someone's from canada like you know they're gonna maybe go to the grocery store and like there could be an elderly person with a respiratory issue in the grocery store that they come in contact with and then the implications of that are serious right now and that's just mind boggling and hard to wrap our heads around but it's the truth and like like you said in your podcast this morning like hopefully it doesn't happen you know but every sign leads to this is what's happening if you look at what happened in italy and um china and south korea like we have to take these precautions and you have to act early are we acting early enough not quite but you know now is better than tomorrow so like take it seriously let's not let's not run shuttles together let's not be in large groups be careful who you who you're around you know yeah and it's really 
it's really such a nebulous thing, right? It's like invisible. You can't know if you have it. Even if you got sick, you didn't, you wouldn't know if you had it. It's just like, even if you're not sick, you don't know if you have it. It's like, it's this invisible. Man, it's like, they're like thermals. It's like thermals out there, dude. If you <laughs> never flew a paraglider, you wouldn't know they exist. Yeah, seriously. But they're ripping, they're ripping. And I think that it's, uh, I think coronavirus is like a strong thermal that's, just getting superheated on the ground right now and could could go could go yeah. nuclear it probably is it's scary man and yeah, there's a lot that, of tension it's not funny it's right not, yeah i know no. i'm seeing i have you know it's a really really interesting time to be alive and really yeah i just hope that hope that we get through it in a we will reasonable some <laughs> some some sort of a reasonable How manner, right? How soft will like, we land? How soft will we land? It is yet to be <laughs> But I think that we have a chance here to tuck and roll. I think that we can dip and yeah. dodge and then duck and then dodge and tuck and roll. I mean, I, I think we could land. Part of me still hopes try. that it's blown out of proportion. Like me that's too. like my hope is that it's blown me out of too. proportion, but taking it very seriously. And yeah, I don't think like the decisions that, the world is making are massive right now and yeah it's i like we live in such a bubble you know you and i and like this community and white salmon washington it's like we're so disconnected from what's happening happening in northern italy and in europe and like not to mention what hap like china and how how they're all reacting and yeah, and like you said, seventy percent of people live paycheck to paycheck. What, you, what are they gonna do in two weeks when that paycheck doesn't come? My mom is in South Florida. Like, they're not. There's a bunch of elderly. You know, the highest population of elderly people are there. Like, those hospital systems are going to be over overflowing with, you know, potential. Yeah cases it's it's really um you know there's a it's a huge rabbit hole to go down and i don't want to go too deep into that because it's really not my place you know we have our opinions and i think in our respected areas um it's i'm i want to like broadcast the message to you know people like me that you know we live for the shred like i, I love going out and pushing myself and climbing mountains and flying and kayaking and skiing and all of that stuff and like relating what's happening in the world to our day-to-day -day lives because my day-to-day -day life isn't changing that much right now so that's what's really hard to draw the line is okay like this is happening and we need to start our actions are going to you know mean a whole lot more in the future so we need to be responsible. And that's the message that I think is important to spread right now for people like us. I love that. Uh, our actions are meaningful right now, folks. Yes, they are. Couldn't agree more. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Really stoked. We're going to do this again in the future, buddy. For sure. Yeah. I hope that that works out. And um, yeah. Um, yeah. I can't wait to till this is all over and we can go, <laughs> get after it and go fly like the the flying that we've been able to do together is some of the highlights of my flying and yeah every time i get to see you you're such a positive um soul like uh you know i can tell that you're 
enthusiasm is super genuine and that is why I really, um, yeah, value our relationship. So let's uh, get through this and keep, keep uh, spreading the, the good message and doing what you're doing because it's awesome, dude. Thanks so much. I really appreciate your words, man. All right. Let's talk soon. Uh, talk soon. Yep. See you later. All right, buddy. Okay, guys. There you have it. Isaac Levinson. I hope that you enjoyed that. He's got some great stuff to say. If you like this show, please spread it. It helps build the community faster than anything. I know you don't usually share things on your Facebook, but please go ahead and share this link on your Facebook, folks. Also, consider donating to support this show. It is 100% listener funded. Let's keep it going. Keep it ad-free. So, you can do that at paypal.me slash Air. I really appreciate all the people who have been donating lately, Isaac included. And you guys stay healthy, stay happy, stay sane. We will see you in the next episode. Peace.